We're live. I'm outraged. Episode five back at you once again. And for those of you guys that are members of the Discord channel, you know who the guest is already. Uh, this is a guy that's been in the Dynasty game, I think, longer than I have. But we're going to get that question answered. It's Mr. Ryan McDowell. You can find him at RyanMick23 on Twitter. Let me bring him on the screen right now in all of his infinite glory. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, I think we figured out in, uh, in the pre-chat that this might be our first time actually chatting together, podcasting together. I don't know what took so long we've both been around a long time like you said uh but but here we are yeah what a what a shock because i i asked you pre-show uh i was like weren't you on the breakout finder podcast and you don't to your knowledge remember that being a fact i, I don't think so wow. i don't think so if i was i apologize i do have a pretty terrible memory but Perfect. I don't think I was. I don't have a good memory either. I mean, that's that's what's <laughs> hilarious. Hopefully somebody in the chat can clear this up because I feel like we may have podcasted together, but the fact that neither you nor I can confirm it is just absolutely poetic. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so just perfect. Good. Just perfect. Well, dude, I let in with this. Here's a question for you because I got into the Dynasty space like 2000, 2006. 16-ish range. When did you start getting into this space? Uh, as far as playing or L yeah, content like creation? Content creation. Or... Content creation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I started with DLF. Uh, I, I did a, a couple of small things before that, but I mean, DLF was my first kind of serious uh, commitment to, to trying to do something. Uh, that was 2012. I started with them in 2012. Oh, damn. So uh, just had had my 10 year uh, anniversary with DLF back in the spring. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. Um, been been with DLF the whole time, and it's been great. Man, good for you. You you wore one jersey the whole time. You've been doing it for 10 plus years. That's that's crazy to me. And I should say what up to everybody in the chat before we start. Cody Christian Lane. Uh, Abraham, what's up, man? Franz Franz. Can you see these guys in the chat right now, Ryan? I can see him. I okay. see my guy Cody in there. Oh, Cody's in there. I, well, you should, if you saw anybody, you would see this one right here. It says Ryan's taking the cash tonight. Um, oh. I, I defend that money. Like nobody's business, Ryan. <laughs> this is going to be hard to get I don't around blame me. You. So, but you have a background in education. So there's a very high likelihood that, you know, your probability of winning is higher than most. I mean, do you have any confidence well, in the outcome? Um, I, I don't have a lot of confidence, but I, I, I hope, uh, I hope friends, friends, Franz is right. Uh, well, I, I believe, I believe in you for what it's worth. I hope you don't win, Thank but you. listen, I, I believe <laughs> in you nonetheless. Now, before we get into this stuff, I wanted to ask you just a few more things that were on my brain. Cause right now you are actively podcasting. Is that correct? Because, you know, I think a lot of people, Imagine you're just doing one podcast, maybe two. How many podcasts do you do in any given week right now? Yeah, so a typical week, at least three. Um, I am the co-host of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We record that one weekly, uh, usually on Sunday evenings. Try to have that out for everyone on Monday, like like so many others during the season. Uh, and then also the co-host of uh, Locked On Dynasty with Matt Williamson. And uh, we do those two to three times a week. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm staying busy. So you're, you're on it, man. Well, it's, it's good to see now you and I talked again, pre-show, we kind of set this show up. I really want to talk about this week, sort of 
the panic that has infused itself into the dynasty community because, you know, preseason, there were expectations about what was going to happen. Then we get week one and results for a lot of people weren't what they had expected. So that's something that I want to talk to you about on this episode. And you that's really mail. important to me. And Ryan, we've already got mail to start the episode. Now I can see you smiling oh, because man. we know that mail can be problematic. So let's pull up the email. I never know who this is to, what it's for. The emails, okay, it's to me. Nate, I thought you should know this felt like watching an episode of Cheaters on True TV, your biggest (laughs) fan. Ryan, I don't know what this means. I noticed there was an attachment there, though, so we should probably see what's going on with you were on Sonic Truth. You were when were you on Sonic Truth? And and I got to ask, was the seat still warm when you got up? And okay, and wait a minute for a second, Ryan. Right, who the emailer who did this with the the Lego who could it head be? with the Lego head? Who well, I'll tell you be? what, it's not me, but I will say that haircut is dangerously close. The Lego haircut was dangerously <laughs> close, Ryan. Did, so you did you did a feature on the Sonic Truth, and I think that's the first guest feature since when I was doing it. How was it sitting opposite Mr. Kelly? Well, it was, it's it's always great to chat with Matt, of course. I always learn something from him, and uh, I'll, those are always good conversations. I I don't know if I was able to uh, to fill your seat, you know, as well as you did for so many episodes. But uh, like I said, it's always good to talk to Matt Kelly. Yeah, he's 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 uh he goes deep with the thought process. So all right, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about the panic meter. So I want to do this right now. Let's jump yep. into this game. the shining you just have to love that ryan okay so here's how here's how this works we're going to talk about the players that you and i have on this list in the background that nobody can see on this invisible list and as you can see next to me wherever this is at i have a panic meter that represents high level of panic we should hold and wait or no big deal and depending on what we select we're going to have an arrow indicate that and one of the big okay. things that I wanted to bring out is that, you know, we talk about guys in their career, guys like Devontae Adams, right? Their career started off rocky and picked up, and then he was the best, if not one of the best fantasy receivers in all of Dynasty for a very long time. I also remember Jonathan Taylor in the first nine games of his rookie season starting to lose yeah. some of the fan favoritism, right? And then suddenly, hey, Jonathan Taylor, best running back in football. But for nine weeks, I'm sure you remember people starting to turn their back a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those are two good examples. Uh, there's, there's lots of examples every year, but we've, we've got a good list of guys to talk about here in this one. Yeah, this, this is going to be good. So I want to get to the first name that we're going to get with. And I wanted to start right off the bat because this was a name that was suggested to me by one of the patrons and that's Kyle Pitts. Now, Kyle Pitts is one of the youngest tight ends in the league, had this incredible draft capital behind him, but comes out in week one and unfortunately disappoints many fantasy gamers, especially Dynasty, who drafted him with such immense draft capital. Ryan, what is what is your level of concern with Kyle Pitts, and what do you think we should expect going forward? Yeah, I don't, I don't, what's under that green line? Can we go lower than that? I because wish I this could. Is... So okay. you're at least the minimum right. green. So here we go. So it climbs up to green. So you're saying oh, no, no well, big deal. 
but lower. No big deal for sure. Yeah, definitely lower than that. Maybe that bottom green line. Um, I mean, it was disappointing, certainly. Seven targets, just two catches in week one. Uh, but the target share was still there, sixth among all tight ends in target share, uh, a nice A dot of over 13 yards. Uh, and 28% of his team's air yards, which was second among all tight ends as well. So you already talked about the age. We saw a very impressive rookie season. You know, I think really the only thing, well, maybe not the only thing, but the big thing Kyle Pitts has going against him right now is just insane uh, expectations from the dynasty community. Um, you know, to hear several people that I respect talk about taking him at 101 in a dynasty startup. And I mean, that's already happened multiple times. We've seen that uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for him to live up to that hype, to the expectations. Yeah. Uh, Bob's totally right. Bob says, yes, tell everyone to panic, <laughs> sell Kyle Pitts. Uh, yo, I wanted to bring up, so Kyle Pitts ran 80% of his routes on passing downs. He did block on 20% in week one. And for context, yeah. you look at Mark Andrews, you look at Travis Kelsey, both ran 90% of the routes on passing downs, blocked on 0% of those. So we saw a little more blocking from Pitts, but Pitts actually only ran four less total routes on passing downs than those two players. So I'm not so worried about it. And I think what really gets lost in the mix here, Ryan, and correct me if I'm wrong, but historical production at the tight end position often takes much longer to take place. And I understand that Kyle Pitts is more of this mm -hmm. move tight end, plays on the outside. But I went and looked this up because, again, he's not even 22 years old yet. Since 2000, right. only two tight ends have ever averaged more than 15 fantasy points per game before age 23. Do you want to guess who those two tight ends were? They both did it in 2011. They were um, both younger than yeah, 23. Okay. Well, it was Aaron Hernandez and memory. Rob terrible Gronkowski. Memory. So Aaron okay, Hernandez, yeah. right? So, so that was it. But what Pitts did, and you alluded to it, at age 20 should be behind a plexiglass wall at the Smithsonian. Like the production was so amazing right. at 20 years old. And the fact that people are are you know throwing their backs out in exclamation to talk about how poor his production was and what does his future look like. Guys, the guy's not even 22 years old yet. So total overreaction. I'm with you, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to take this off the screen. No big deal. I'm with it. No big deal. So let's go to a player that I think you're going to have a slightly more elevated meter on. That's Cam Akers. Are you concerned at all about Cam Akers? I think everybody is. You, you have to be, right, after what we saw on Thursday night. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at this meter here. It's got to be. It's got to be at the top of the yellow at least, maybe even in that red category. And I mean, when you look at Cam Akers' career, uh, suffered an injury. He was in and out of the lineup in his rookie season, came back strong towards the end of that rookie season, had four very nice games. He was an RB1 one week. He was an RB2 two other weeks. Uh, and then, of course, missed all of last, last season. And, you know, I think we simply overrated and overvalued this guy. And it's fair at this point to wonder if he's even any good. Um, because we've seen plenty of other players have a four game stretch of, of a very impressive play and, you know, never be heard from again, essentially. Yeah. Well, I, well, that's a hell of a statement, Ryan. I mean, uh, not sure if he's ever going to be any good. So I got to ask you because I'm dying to hit a button. Where's your range of concern over here on the side? Where's your range? Are we, are we high, medium or low right now? I mean, it's gotta be high. 
It's oh got to be in there. Oh, my God. We're going high with it. We're going high. You're making me nervous because I have Cam Akers in a league or two. I, what I wanted to say. I about, do, too. I, it's, well, it's nerve-wracking if you don't move off of him. I think here's what's the most concerning thing. And feel free to, to debate this point. When I look at Cam Akers, we look at his return. It was miraculous. Nobody has, he set a new bar for Achilles tendon tear recovery time, right? Like he set a bar so high, it it may be unrivaled. Now, James Robinson's been great as well, but this was, Right. right. But this has been impressive. And you think about that success story and the level of effort that it took to get there. What's more concerning for me, because I can rationalize away that the reason he's not playing is an injury. What I cannot rationalize away is McVeigh's tone and sentiments that are being said from him that he's saying he needs to see more from Cam Akers. This is not even about injury, it appears. This seems like it's an effort, right? And, and that is the absolute most concerning thing to me. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. I think we did uh, on on Locked On Dynasty this week. We did a dynasty value study of Cam Akers. It's one of the things we do on on that show, and really just dig into the current value of the player. And one thing I do as part of that is a series of polls. Maybe you've seen those on yep. Twitter with that hashtag Dynasty Value Study and pitting Cam Akers against a dozen other running backs, 10, 15 other running backs, and two of the backs I included were J.K. Dobbins. And Kenneth Walker. And of course, both of those guys sat out with injury in week one. Both, it looks like, might get to play in week two, potentially. They they were both received 80 plus percent of the vote compared to Cam Akers. So you're right. If 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 the report was Akers is not quite ready, not not fully recovered, we want to give him another week, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His value would essentially still be where it was two, three, four weeks ago. Yes, absolutely. That that for me, when I heard McVeigh saying that, I was like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. This is yeah. what I'm trying to avoid in Dynasty because you just it, it's one thing to be injured. It's another thing to have these issues. But it's so hard to explain because, again, the guy worked his butt off to get back to the field in record time only to then get chastised by the coaching staff about not trying hard enough. It's like the most backwards thing I've ever heard, but I'm with you. I think... If you were a truther of Cam Akers, and I think we're going to learn a lot this week, right? Because McVeigh's tone was basically, he's going to get his opportunity this week. Now, is that BS? Maybe. But Cam Akers could very likely come out, get 15, 16 carries in this game. It's entirely possible. And if Cam Akers plays well, watch him suddenly come back into favoritism in the dynasty world. I can certainly see it, right? Because it would put to bed the theory that it's injury-based. That's why he hasn't performed. Again, go back to last season. Three of the four defenses he faced were top 10 against the run. So it's still questions. Is he healthy? Is he not? If he gets opportunity and plays well... Do you turn the corner just a little bit? Can we move this meter to medium if that outcome takes place? Potentially. And, you know, we talk dynasty on here and, and on, on, on Twitter and everything else. And we talk about a three-year window or, you know, we want Kyle Pitts because he's 21 years old, but in the reality, once that regular season starts, we are, we are a fickle bunch and we are changing our minds. We're changing the values of these players from week to week. So uh, with it, with another big game or with a big game from Cam Akers, uh, yeah, his value is going to bounce right back. I mean, okay. we're, we're kind of predictable. That okay, way. So, so here's a question. Right now, if, Cam, if somebody was willing to sell you Cam Akers for 2023 third, are you doing that? Are you, are you buying for a third right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, at that price, I think you, you have to actually saw that exact, well, not quite that exact trade. It was a 2025 third round pick. <laughs> 
four cam acres. Uh, found that on the trade finder at DLF. So yes, I'm certainly giving a third. Would you give a, a second for him though? 2023 second rounder. That's that's the line. I see. I was going to get to that, right, but exactly. you, like a good that tennis player, served it back to me, and now I'm <laughs> on my heels. Um, I I want to say I want to say yes because I believe in Cam Akers, and I want to say yes because what the Rams did this offseason season uh, shows no signs to me that they didn't believe in Cam Akers or they thought that his health wasn't prepared right. Sony Michelle leaves in free agency. They don't really add anybody of consequence. Kyron Williams in the draft to me not really a consequence. Um. So I believe they showed us all the signs that they believed in Cam Akers from a health standpoint. So would I give a second? If it, it It's ballsy. If it hits, it, he was worth way more than a second. If it fails, sure. you lost a second. I would say, depending on my roster, if I was a win-now team, I might be willing to do it. Yeah. Right? If, if yeah, that's going to end up... That's probably where I am. Yeah. yeah. 208, 209, 210, 212. Somewhere in there. I would I would do that trade just because the upside is just too palpable. All right, let's okay. So we were high on him. I gotta believe we're gonna be lower on this guy. Travis Etienne. Mm. Now a lot of people seem concerned because we just talked about how quick Cam Akers came back yeah. from this injury. Well, James Robinson was like, okay, here, hold my beer, watch this. And came yeah. back very quickly in his own right and is actually playing and playing well. So where's the panic meter on Travis Etienne? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not in the green. I'm going to put it in, in that low yellow range. Uh, wish let's, I could let's do that hold and you. wait. Wish on, I could, wish I could. Where'd it go? Where is it? Uh, it's, it's our one, one fail. One oh, fail. Technical difficulties. Show. Let's go on anyways, Ryan. Uh, ETN still played more snaps than James Robinson in week one. He ran more routes than James Robinson. Yes. That part is certainly no surprise. So I think the usage is going to be there for ETN. Um, I, you know, I think again, we were assuming, especially after that Thursday game, that James Robinson was, was just going to be a non-factor and, and ETN was going to take this job and run with it. And, uh, you know, that, that probably was, uh, too much to assume. At, at this point that he was going to be, uh, you know, the workhorse back and, and on the field, 90% of the team snaps. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. You, you nailed it. You look back at what he did. We know, we know that he played with, you know, Trevor Lawrence in college. We know that last year, Trevor Lawrence had a check down rate at a league high of, I think, 11.3%. We know that in week one, you're totally right. Four carries, two of which went for more than 10 yards. Three tackles missed, or three force missed tackles. Highest yards created after contact of any rusher at 7.5. And he also had four mm. targets, which you alluded to, was seven more receiving routes ran than James Robinson had. So I think where it matters, uh, you know, in the passing game, he looked really good. Uh, this is this is essentially like the first game we've really ever seen of him in the league. And, and there's this concern. Yeah. And, I had brought this theory up with Marlon Mack because I thought Marlon Mack was going to respond from this injury better than he did, but Jonathan Taylor was just so amazing. But that same that same scenario, Marlon Mack became a free agent at the end of that year. James Robinson is a free agent at the end of this year. Now, I realize neither of these running backs were selected by this coaching staff, mm -hmm. but Travis Etienne should continue playing in this backfield beyond the lifetime of James Robinson. Assuming Robinson looks good, why would he not get a job somewhere else? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the wait and see, and and we do essentially have to treat ETN like a rookie, um, missed the entire year as we all know. So, 
Yeah, I, I, that's that's just another reason I'm not quite as concerned. I'm I'm going to send it back to you one more time though. Yeah. Oh are boy. you more worried about Travis Etienne or are you more worried about Trevor Lawrence in that offense? Oof. Uh, boy, see, I'm 50-50 on that. Here's the deal. I, I'm less worried about Travis Etienne because, you know, he had a drop, but Trevor Lawrence missed him on a, what, a 15-yard wheel route, which would have been a touchdown also. Yep. So we can kind of rationalize some of the points away. Um, I'm about the same on both guys. I think that Trevor Lawrence yeah. is, is playing in, even with a new coaching staff, is truly struggling to perform under what is a pretty poor condition, but I would argue he's got the best weapons around him that he's had in a while. And it's kind of funny when you think about those weapons that are For around sure. him. Um, I'm pretty mild on both, you know, quarterbacks with the longevity, especially the draft capital. And I've talked about this with other people. If you were going to extend yourself to best case scenario and walk the walk the plank for any particular player that hadn't fired yet, it would be the guy that had the generational background in Trevor Lawrence, and to that right, Travis Etienne has this amazing college profile himself. He's just coming, you know, from this injury. So um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty calm on both guys. I would say no big deal in both cases. Uh, it's okay. I, I, well, I, I'm curious where you are on Trevor Lawrence because I would say I think a lot of other quarterbacks would struggle much, much worse in this situation than he is. Yeah, I'm probably a little more worried than you, but definitely not ready to give up on either of those guys. Not to that to that panic stage yet. Um, and and I, if I've got them, and I do have both of those guys on some different rosters, uh, I've I've still got a lot of hope and and uh, you know expectation for those two. Yes, I I love it, man. Well, I think we're on the same page, uh, Joel. Super chat donation. Thank you so much. No panic here on ETN. I got to play the sounder. Good. Thank you. Always play that. Thank you so much, Joel, uh, for the donation. Everybody in the chat, I think we're all on board with that. Okay, now I'm afraid to hit the wait button again. So I hope that our next ones are only severe panic level and good because I think those are the only two buttons that are working right now, Ryan. There's always issues on this show. Very buggy. Okay, I'm going to assume. Now, we have never talked to our knowledge on a show, but I'm going to assume the panic level is incredibly high right now. Maybe. Uh, Elijah Mitchell injured. Oh, yeah. Not so surprisingly, uh, and could miss up to two months. Where is the panic level uh, with that? Tell me, tell me when to stop. Tell me when to stop. Yeah, higher, 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 higher. Uh, so Elijah Mitchell has been in the league for a little over a year now. He had a shoulder injury. Yes. He missed two games. Yes. He had a rib injury. Did not miss a game. He had a finger injury. Missed a game. Concussion. Missed part of a game. Knee injury. Missed three games. Yes. Hamstring injury. Missed the entire preseason. And now a knee injury that could cost him up to two months. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty panicked on this guy. Pretty worried. Does not have the draft capital. Does not catch passes. Isn't really a guy that I want on any roster. And I think that's a pretty easy one. You're doing the Lord's work. You just brought an entire hammer down on him. You you also did my favorite thing in the world, which is recite his injury history from the year prior. It's like, it's so good because it's like, where does it stop? Like, and now we've got this new one to add to the list. And this is, it, and you and I have never really talked dynasty philosophy. So I'd love to just pick your brain on this for a minute. You got a six round guy, good athlete, given an opportunity out of nowhere because Trey Sermon was believed to probably be mm -hmm. the guy going into the season. Hits. Uh, in best case scenario for him, because last year Jimmy G hardly rushed, where now we've got Trey Lance who rushes all the time, so that passing down trade-off sort of disappears. But people were saying, no, 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 no. 
hold him. He's the guy. Are you the type of dynasty player that when you realize there's value that was essentially a free square, you try to go fish it and get draft capital or an upgrade back? Or were you in the group that was like, I'm going to ride with this? I'm in almost every case, I'm trying to sell that player. Um, I mean, we kind of saw the limitations with Elijah Mitchell. He had the injuries last year. I mean, I did list them. It, it feels bad to do that because when he was on the field, he was impressive. You never want, uh, you know, you're not rooting for a guy to get hurt, but to be in the league for uh, 18 months and have, have uh, what, seven different injuries is something we have to factor in for sure. So uh, both the things I mentioned, the injuries, the lack of PPR upside, he, he was maybe the most obvious sell of the entire off season, in my opinion. Yes, dude. Totally agree. This was a guy that I just, uh, you know, I've, I've gone to war on this take a lot of times and I've got like a 87% success rate that 13% I've, you know, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. Some people would say Chase Edmonds. I would argue the counter of that. I've taken a few L's over the years, but it's been a pretty safe mode of transportation to say, look, I didn't, I didn't even imagine I was going to end up with this golden goose. So I'm going to flip it for value. So um, I'm with you on that. Before we move on, I have to do this again. Uh, shout outs to the Harry Snowman. Very interesting name on YouTube. Cheers. Thanks so much uh, for the super chat donation. Thank so, you. Ryan, this is a name that we're, that we're going to move to that to me, let's get this off the screen, that to me is super unique amongst this group because I think he was sort of left for dead in a lot of dynasty context. Then he ended up on this new roster and he mm. was revived once again only to die in week one once again in the eyes of many dynasty gamers. And that's Allen Robinson. Where's the panic meter on Allen Robinson? I'm definitely in that no big deal range. Not worried about Allen Robinson. Um, Still the clear wide receiver two on uh, one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, I mean, week one was certainly ugly. There's no, no way around that. No arguing that. Uh, But we, we've seen this guy produce. Uh, all the narratives that were there in the offseason are still true. Still the best quarterback he's ever played with. Uh, I think best offense he's ever played in. He's going to be just fine. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And the thing for me is he's in the best situation he's probably been in in his career without a doubt. Two years removed from a top 13 season. Uh, Cooper Cup is clearly going to be the lead wide receiver in this group. But if you look right. back, Allen, Ra- uh, Allen Robinson ran a 98% route rate on Thursday night. Um, Stafford was top seven on the weekend pass attempts with 41. And I would argue that the odds that Tyler Higby sees a target share of 27% again, um, is in, is unlikely considering he only had three games of more than six targets last season. So I'm with you. I think the panic level is incredibly low on Allen Robinson. Now the panic level is likely different than that with a guy like LaVisca Chenault. Because coming into his rookie season, there was immense levels of hype for LaVisca Chenault. Admittedly, the breakout finder loved him. The breakout finder did love him. So this was a heartbreaker for me to see. Gets traded for very little to the Carolina Panthers, only to end up inactive in week one. Where's your panic meter on LaVisca Chenault? I've got to say, I was surprised to see LaVisca Chenault on the list, not because there's not some level of panic, but just because I'm not sure he even registers anymore. Uh, I've seen him dropped in 28-man dynasty leagues, 28-man uh, roster dynasty leagues. So 
he's what? he's just kind of he's just kind of dead in dynasty uh which which feels crazy but i mean we've we've seen almost nothing right two three games three games with more than 14 fantasy points in his career through two two plus years I think, Ryan, I think it might be over. Should should we do a candlelight vigil? I mean, so, okay, so wait. So first off, we would agree the level is high on sure. LaVisca sure. Chenault. My, here's the problem. He's on his second roster already, which is a super bad sign. The other issue is, even if his opportunity arises, which it very well could, he had a 58% slot rate last season. He's walking into a you know an opportunity where the slot does exist. But he's playing behind Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, right? Like, what, what? Even if he finds a role in this offense, what's the realistic target share opportunity? Four targets a game? I mean, is that the ceiling? It, you know, it feels a little like like this might have been like the missing verse from the Alanis Morissette song because this is a guy that we were <laughs> we were just guy. begging, <laughs> we're just begging. For a new, a new fresh start, right? Right. All LaVisca needs is a fresh start. Just right. get him on a new team. Well, he get he gets on a new team with a worse quarterback, a worse, a uh, worse coaching staff, uh, and more competition for targets. So <sighs> well, Ryan, the, the chat isn't agrees with you. Yeah, isn't that ironic? This guy is over here pulling song lyrics out mid-show. Ryan, you you brought your A game. I I appreciate it. For our second podcast, presumably, I I, I love that you've brought this fire. Yeah, I think I think that's the concern. We've got a rookie. He on, he ends up on a second team. Didn't do much on the first. Had 100 targets. I mean, they clearly tried to make it work. That was a dysfunctional offense. Yeah, I, I mean, we could argue probably Baker. Is he really better than Trevor Lawrence? I don't think so. I, they could be, it could be on par by the time Trevor's career is over, but I like to believe he's a little better than that. So, yeah, I think you've got to be panicking right now. And to hear that he's getting dropped uh, pretty regularly uh, is truly, truly unfortunate for a player that I had a lot of love for early on. Answer me this. Speaking of injuries, speaking of players that we haven't seen on an NFL field in a while, J.K. Dobbins. Where is your panic meter on him in this Baltimore offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the green on this one. No big deal. Uh, glad to see him actually get a, get a little extra rest, whether that's just one week or uh potentially more we'll see uh, i think just the thing that we have to keep in mind with him is uh he, he's not going to see many targets right that that is going to be capped that upside uh because of the way baltimore plays that yeah. is uh you know they've told us that for years that they're not going to throw the ball to their running back lamar's not going to they're not they're not targeting running backs in general so that has to factor in because of that uh, I, I think at his best, he's an RB seven, eight, ten range in dynasty. Uh, if he hits that upside, I mean, he's he's fancy Nick Chubb. Mm. Mm. Woo, fancy Nick Chubb. I, I I like that. Here, here's the concern for me with Dobbins. I once upon a time, like I gave up. I had this Cal Rick Ripken streak of like thread tweet of every time Lamar Jackson would target a running back less than four times in a game, I would add another tweet to it. And I had this continuous run going and it was for like 52 games. Like the guy just doesn't target, let alone not targeting the running back position. As you mentioned, he just doesn't really target any running backs. Uh, and you look at this right. year, they're already at what? 13.8%, which is in the bottom seven of the whole league. I really don't expect that to get any better. 
But the one thing that I will say about Dobbins is that when we last saw him on an NFL field, he was absolutely explosive, right? Number three in Mm -hmm. yards per touch, number four in breakaway runs, number five in juke rate. And this was while seeing, you know, the number seven running back, uh, you know, extra defenders in the box. So it wasn't easy. The question is, what has he been doing for the last couple of years? Because we really haven't seen him on an NFL field. I still love him. I love the term fancy Nick Chubb. Um, I think him and Kenneth Walker are very similar. When I looked at their college profiles, you know, they're great after contact, not really pass catchers, both typically durable. I'm going to throw the ACL tear out the window because Dobbins has an incredible track history of health. Um, But for you, is he still a top 10 dynasty running back? He's right on that edge, or at least he has the upside to be, Um, you know, like we talked earlier, it's, it becomes a weekly game and you want to see him on the field, especially after that injury. He had the interview. Um, I don't think that interview was this week, but it was at least released this, this past week that uh, kind of went through how serious and, and just how bad that, that injury really was. It wasn't just your simple uh, typical ACL tear. So um, definitely want to see him back on the field, but I think he could be back up into that RB 10 RB 12 range pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. I, I saw that he talked about how he shredded multiple things in his knees. So yeah. definitely a, a difficult injury to come back from. So let's talk about two quarterbacks that we just both saw play head to head in what was one of the crappiest conditions to play a football game <laughs> yes. in, which also was like the spice on top of some meal that I wouldn't eat because it's too spicy. But people were saying, oh, these guys suck. Look at this throw. This guy can't do this. This guy can't do that. There was three inches of standing water on the field. It couldn't get any worse, but let's start with the first of the two in Justin Fields. Where's the panic level on Justin Fields? Still in the green, still in the green. We, we I haven't seen enough to uh, scare me off of Justin Fields yet. Uh, I'm worried more about that offense, about the weapons surrounding him than I am about Fields himself. I, I will say, I, I think we're maybe giving him uh, or at least some people are giving him a little too much credit after that win. I mean, he threw a couple touchdowns against a a, a broken defense. Uh, he ran the ball what, 13, 14 times, and he was still uh, outside of the top 20 fantasy quarterbacks for the week. So, I mean, if you had told me Fields was throwing two touchdowns and running the ball double-digit times, I would have locked him in as a, you know, a, a top six quarterback on the week, and that was – certainly not what we saw. So that's a little concerning. I think we're giving him a little too much credit. I think we're killing the other guy a little too much this week. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, the thing too is we've talked about this on other podcasts, but the Bears did him no favors. Now I've heard other people say, oh, well, they right. they they worked on the defense. Well, that's great. And that makes a lot of sense, but that still puts a lot on him when you don't have awesome offensive line help and you really don't have passing game weapons. We talked about Velas Jones in the third round, didn't take any tackles or offensive linemen until the fifth round. Allen Robinson leaves. There's just really nothing here, but you look at that game last week, admittedly really bad conditions. First half wasn't great. Look at the second half, you know, after going what three for 10 for 19 yards an interception and two sacks, he comes into the second half five for seven, 102 yards, two touchdowns, zero sacks. I think the one thing that we saw there was a guy that sort of overcame a really tough situation. Um, you look at his a dot amongst the league. It's inside the top 10. It's actually higher than Mahomes. It's higher than Allen. It's higher than Burrow. Um, look at the passing concept work in terms of play action production yards per attempt are very high. So I think there's some stuff in there and the rushing is great. So 
we can't give up on Fields, but the problem is, no. you know, much like some of these receivers we talk about, when are the Chicago Bears going to turn the corner in enough of a way that Justin Fields can can fully flourish in this offense? When is it? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It does feel like they're doing things backwards, uh getting getting the young quarterback and then uh then loading up on picks and and essentially rebuilding and tearing everything else down. They trade Khalil Mack, they get the new coaching staff. It just feels like bad process, right? Uh, I mean, if yeah. you're if you're rebuilding a dynasty team and you start by trading for uh you know, for Christian McCaffrey, that's, it's just bad process. Right. And, and that's kind of what we're, what we're seeing here, the NFL equivalent. Okay. So, so Justin Fields, low, low level of concern. I'm assuming it's going to be very similar with this next player. And this is probably who everybody really wants to hear about right now. Now, admittedly, I'm kind of shocked to hear people say that, that, Trey Lance is a buy low. I don't know who's selling Trey Lance low. Is there anybody in the world that's selling Trey Lance low? I'm assuming you're not. Is anybody? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. Uh, I, I hope nobody is in Dynasty at least, especially Dynasty Superflex, uh, because he's been uh, he's been one of the most difficult assets to actually trade for yes. over the past six or seven months. So to give up on him after one game that was in that weather. He was missing uh, George Kittle. He lost his starting running back during the game. I mean, it feels like we're making excuses, but there's a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons there for that disappointing play in week one. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, so I'm assuming that your your concern level is low on Trey Lance. Is that a fact? Yes, yeah, still okay. low. De- low definitely again. in the green. I mean, this is a guy that, that can be dominant with his legs. The question has always been, what can he do with his arm? I, we know one thing about Trey Lance is that he, he's very cautious with the football. He was back in college. He's done a good job throughout his time in the NFL thus far. But you look at PFF, you look at some of these grades, he's not grading super highly. But I think this was always the question with Trey Lance. And I think the goal with San Francisco, as you've seen with Kyle Shanahan, is this is a team that always has these immense weapons after the catch, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Debo, they go get Ayuk. And for him, it's really just put it in play. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. Right. If, if you can beat him deep every once in a while and make him respect the deep ball and just put the ball in the hands of your playmakers, I think you can be really successful. And we know with Trey Lance, he has the mobility. So I don't know where this came from. I don't know where this by Trey Lance, be concerned about Trey Lance is crazy. I mean, isn't it like, who is there anyone? Is there anyone doing that? I mean, do you see that? No, I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen concern, obviously, but I haven't seen. I haven't seen that Cam Akers level of just get him off my roster, give me anything for this guy, uh, and, and we definitely, you know, should not be seeing that or doing that. Keep him. Wait, wait it out for sure. This is ridiculous. This, this is shouldn't. I just put this on the show because people were going to ask about it if we didn't. So we knew where we were. <laughs> okay. I actually have some concern here. Now, I'm curious. This may be the first place that we're divided, or we may still be very aligned on this one. Devonta Smith. A.J. Brown gets traded to Philadelphia. He already had a very mobile quarterback, which kind of, as I alluded to earlier, a lot of these rush attempts are basically passes that never were. So he he was second fiddle to start. But then we look at what he did in week one. Is there any level of concern from you with Devonta Smith right now? 
I mean, what did he do in week one? He did what nothing did, in week one. Did nothing in week one. He, I believe he had zero catches in week one. So, yeah, I think there has to be concern. And there were a lot of signs for concern, reasons for concern heading into the season. He was at best the second target on this offense that we know wants to run the ball, that has a quarterback as as good as he is in fantasy, as good as he uh, and exciting as he is to watch. He's not the he's not a great passer. We know yep. that. Yep. Uh, he's not yet, and he now has his new best friend, his his, his I guess longtime best friend, evidently uh, on the team. So Smith is Smith is a, a definitely a faller, big time. He's in, you know, I, I think he might be in that red category for me. Red category. Holy smokes! I'm gonna hit it. Boy, oh boy. So, I mean, so you're basically saying, like, you got to get Devonta Smith off your roster is what you're saying by going red. Well, I think so because he still has value, right? I mean, if you look at ADP, if you look at recent dynasty drafts that's, that took place right before the season started, he was still a top 25, a top 30 wide receiver drafted. And, yeah, I mean, obviously there there's potential value loss after one week. But if you can still flip him uh, for anything in that value range, I would certainly be doing it. Well, I, I think I think it's fair to, to make the statement that you are because we look at the opportunity, you know, last week, you look at Smith, four targets, A.J. Brown, 13 targets. You look at first down conversions, A.J. Brown, seven, Devonta Smith, zero. So it's just interesting to see how they're being used. I mean, A.J. Brown is very clearly the guy, deep, short, Everywhere, it doesn't matter. They, they've got that relationship, him and Hurts. It sounded like narrative. It proved reality in week one. And in a lot of ways, Devonta Smith, to me, has kind of fallen into this almost Brandon Ayuk similar situation mm. where they're the second fiddle, run first, your mobile quarterback. Majority of the target share is going to go to the guy with the big contract. And I just, I, I think that they bring a wide receiver to potential with wide receiver one upside, but man, there's going to be so much variance because you look at Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard only had four targets. What stops Dallas Goddard from having seven targets next week and AJ Brown going to 10 and Devonta only having five. I mean, where, where does it, where does it rebound? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it does. And I mean, he's always been, um, or I shouldn't say always, uh, prior to that, that huge college season he had his, his Heisman season. Um, he was an up and down player prior to that. Last year, he was streaky up and down, and I think we're going to continue to see that. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have big games. He, you're not trading him for a, a future third like like that right. uh, Acres deal. Right. But if you can get the value at where uh, where he's currently being ranked and valued, then I would do that. Um, I, I would try to buy Jahan Dotson for him. Oof, if I can get Jahan call. Dotson, yeah. That's a great that's a great call. I, I put a tweet out half jokingly today. I said cities will burn if Jahan Dotson overtakes Terry McLaurin. But I mean, what's really stopping that outcome? I mean, it's it's entirely possible that things could change. I like Terry McLaurin, but Jahan Dotson is a sneaky uh, you know, guy to go after. I, I do like that call, um, but I'm concerned about Smith overall. So I, I do agree with you. Okay, let me ask you a question. Because this is a guy who's 25 and a half years old. We're going to wake up next year. He's going to be 26 and a half years old at this point in time. And we're going to start to approach that age where we consider selling these guys or we're looking back at these rookies who are, 
you know, 22 years old and going, dang, those guys are five years younger than this player. And that player is DJ Moore. Now, we had thought DJ Moore was getting the best quarterback of his career potentially in Baker Mayfield. And then in week one, they come out and Robbie Anderson turns the tables on him (laughs) in the craziest fashion. And we once again get a throttled version of DJ Moore, six targets, three catches, 43 yards in week one. Where are you at on DJ Moore? And you've had, Ryan, I will say on this episode, you've had enormous balls. You have had a wheelbarrow full of balls on this episode so far. And this is the one that may require a second wheelbarrow. But what are you doing with DJ Moore? I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet. Okay. And maybe you are, Nate. I'm okay. still in okay. I'm still in the green. I'm still in the no big deal. Um it does feel a little bit like a guy we already talked about. Feels a little bit like Allen Robinson. Uh just continuous year after year of poor quarterback play, uh, but production. And the issue is we we've ranked and valued DJ Moore as, as a borderline elite guy, right? He's always been on that edge of dynasty wide receiver one. He's he's wide receiver 10 to 15 for the past three or four years. And we just it just feels like we haven't seen the max potential. Haven't seen the upside from DJ Moore. It's so frustrating because I've made the argument a couple times that I truly believe that if you gave every player the same quarterback, I, I truly believe DJ Moore would look like the third best receiver in the NFL. I think he has the profile, the athleticism, the skill set. He's truly a talented receiver, but for whatever reason, We just can't turn the corner. Even last year, 162 targets, only 14 fantasy points per game, Ryan. So I think both you and I have have just, you know, I'm I'm confident in DJ Moore. I love DJ Moore. The problem is, what is DJ Moore's current price tag, right? Like where, the problem with DJ Moore is, are you getting the product, are you getting the production relative to the cost of DJ Moore? Like if I tried to go buy DJ Moore right now, and what do you think the general consensus is? Are people asking for a late 2023 first for DJ Moore? I think it would be a first plus still. Okay. Sure. Um, but are you getting are you getting a first plus production right now out of DJ Moore? Because you have yet to get that at all in his career. Basically, like you said, he's been a wide receiver 14 one time, wide receiver 23, wide receiver 28. Those were his other best finishes. So if I told you, if I put a blindfold over you, Ryan, and said, you give me uh, you know, a late late-ish, 2023 first, little extra on top of it. I'll give you a guy that finished as wide receiver 23, 28, and 14 over the previous three seasons. Would you do the deal? Uh, Based on that, I probably would not do the deal. I mean, I love his upside. It's just, I feel like we're going to get so many variable games out of him, and it just makes it it so tough. I mean, he's hard to own in Dynasty. I mean, if you own him on your roster, what what is your plan? Are you holding DJ Moore or... Are you going to try to use some of that value and move into another asset that has more potential week-to-week upside? I'm still holding, but okay. but I think you made a good point at the at the intro of this one that you know he's he's getting up there and he's not old, but we kind of group players like that in in that young wide receiver category, and he's he's he stayed there for three years and. Pretty soon, he's not going to be young anymore. He's going to be, as you said, at that age where we start looking to make a move. And if we wait until next year, it might be too late to make that move. So uh, I'm not I'm not trading yet. I'm not selling. But I, I would understand if you wanted to. 
isn't it amazing that isn't it amazing that the the age on a on a clock you go to player profile you look at the little age thing and all of a sudden as soon as yeah. it says 26 it's like a whole new feeling it's like well oh, wait a minute wait a minute we got the whole price changes when they turn 26 so um, I'm with you on it now we do have a question in the chat I'd be curious to get your take on it from Cody Carpentier it's about DJ Moore parlayed into Greg Dortch. We're all in love with DJ Moore. What about Greg Dortch? Younger than Vellis Jones. Who isn't younger than Vellis Jones? Still in dethroning yeah, Rondale Moore. Another breakout finder favorite. What is the dynasty move with Greg Dortch? Well, I mean, pretty easily he's an ad, right? You you add and you add and see what happens. I don't know if I'm with Cody that he's dethroning uh, Rondale yet, though. I'm I'm still excited about Rondale more this season. I love it. Okay, yeah, Cody. I listen. I don't have. I'm right down the middle. I'm Switzerland on this one. I Cody. I appreciate you, Ryan. I like <laughs> you, but I don't want to break up a happy household right here. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this one because this is really interesting. Finally gets the target share that everybody ever wanted for him. And then everybody is down on him. And that is CeeDee Lamb. I mean, what does CeeDee Lamb have to do? I understand he just lost his quarterback. It's probably going to be longer than Jerry Jones is, you know, alluding to. Um, But but if it's Cooper Rush or whoever, whoever's at quarterback in this offense, like, are you concerned about CeeDee Lamb? Uh, Where are you at? Because this was supposed to be his year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to be, uh, and and a a lot of that is, is going to be, uh, attributed to the Dak Prescott injury, but I'm not, I'm not sure that's, that's all right. I think there's, there's bigger problems here. If you look at CD or yeah, if you look at CD lamb's career, he's been a wide receiver one in 18% of his games. Look at some of those others that are in that, in that young wide receiver, uh, category that I was talking about DJ Moore himself. He's at 19%. So DJ Moore giving you a wide receiver game more often than CD Lamb. Uh, T. Higgins, who's typically valued uh, at least a full round after CD Lamb and Dynasty startups, maybe even more. He's at 19% as well, 19% wide receiver one games. So the real problem with CD Lamb here is that he's the Dynasty wide receiver three, and that's the beginning of a, a tier of players that might be. 10, 12, 15 players deep, he's right now, or at least he was entering week one, the guy at the top of that list. And, uh, and, and right now he's falling down that list. Ryan, where's your panic meter on this guy? I'm going to calmly ask. I'm going, uh, I'm going yellow on this one. I, I want to flip him. I want to flip CD lamb. Ryan. Well, wait, the- it's, is yellow hold and wait? Yeah, yellow okay, hold. I'm going red. Oh, you're I'm going, going red. red. Oh my god, you went him. red. You you faked me out. I thought you weren't. You went panic. You're panicking. So okay, wait. If panic means trade, that's what I'm doing. Woo! Can you trade him for Woo! T Higgins plus? Can you trade him for Jalen Waddle? Can you trade him for Michael Pittman? I do Ryan. It. Okay, wait a minute. So I mean, he's a young guy in the league. He's got length on his contract. I would agree that any time without Dak is a huge problem. I will agree. Like any time without Dak is, is a big problem. But if we're let's get let's get into a time machine real quick. Let's fast forward this time next year. What do you expect competition around CeeDee Lamb? I mean, what's triggering the move off CeeDee Lamb thing? Just the history of not producing because to me the problem is 
we didn't get to see CeeDee Lamb in the offense of his own. I mean, this kind of put the stop to it, right? Losing Dak did because he opens week one. It wasn't great. 26% target share, top 18. That was very close to guys like Stephon Diggs. Clearly not as productive, but then you look at what he did with that, you know, that 11 targets, two catches, 29 yards. Not great. So is the concern with CD that we just haven't seen enough to this point in his career to make him as valuable as he is? And are you selling him based on that perceived value? So that is what it is. Selling him on that perceived value, moving to a different asset. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, you said he, he hasn't, we haven't seen him in that offense. That's kind of his own. I mean, I know Amari Cooper was there, certainly some stiff competition for targets, but I still think I I looked at, at CD lamb as the wide receiver one, the past two years in that offense. Um, You know, that could be debated, I guess, but I felt like he was the guy last year. And, And again, we're talking about T Higgins in the same range. Certainly he's, he's not the guy in Cincinnati, right? He's, he's the second option there and is still producing top 12 games at a higher rate than, than lamb. Yeah. It's well, it's interesting. Cause I let off the show talking about Devonte Adams and the history of Devonte Adams. And this is what always kind of shocks me. And I kind of have have two thoughts here. Uh, I'm doing both here. So, you, you've got guys like Devontae Adams, the league base. Everybody gave up on him in Dynasty. At some point, he was literally, for those that were playing, he was free. Like, you could yep. get Devontae for absolutely nothing at one point in time. But his career to that point was not nearly close to as productive as CeeDee Lamb. He didn't have the draft capital of CeeDee Lamb. So, it's interesting to see people move off of CeeDee Lamb, knowing that there is a history of guys with far less production that became elite in the league shortly after. But my real question is, knowing that I think this could be where the dynasty community, when the narrative turns, if we get it, because he's not going to have very many good games. I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of unfortunate outings for CD now, which is going to change the whole storyline. So the question is, what was it about CD Lamb as a prospect that turned him into this guy that everybody said, he's an alpha, he's the guy, unstoppable, got the draft capital, got the situation, and then suddenly we watched the erosion of that. Where did it go wrong from a scouting standpoint? Because that's that's where I'm confused about. It's easy for people to say he's kind of falling <laughs> off, but if we put our scouting caps on, it's like he was a damn good prospect. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it necessarily went wrong. He, he's still a good player. He's still a player that if he's the wide receiver two on your dynasty team, you're, you're feeling really good about that. I think the real problem is for whatever reason, if it, it you know, because he was a, uh, because he had draft capital, because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, because he uh, is is still very young, still just 23 years old, we have pushed him up rankings pushed him up ADP. He's been a first rounder in ADP for, for much of the past uh, year, year and a half. He, he's simply being overvalued. I mean, look at some of these other names. T Higgins is wide receiver seven in DLF ADP. Currently Michael Pittman, nine Jalen Waddle, 10 DJ Moore, 12 DK Metcalf, 13. So he's in that range, but he's being valued uh, right behind Jamar chase. It's brutal. I mean, okay, so I, I guess you brought up DK Metcalf. That's a great question. Like DK or CeeDee Lamb, is it is it a big gap for you right now between those two players? Um, I mean, right now they're they're both dealing with kind of the same problems, right? Yeah. They're not going to have a quarterback. Um, right. So no, it, it would not be a big gap between the two. 
But you've seen DK play explosively and dominate in, in games where we haven't seen so much from CeeDee Lamb. I mean, would that be a guy you'd rather own if you had CeeDee Lamb? Would you try to move into an asset like that? Or are you just continuing with CeeDee Lamb? Because I totally understand the sentiment of he's got a ton of value. You take that value. Wait for a game. Well, hopefully we get a big game because I think that value cratered right. a little, right? Like, I mean, we did lose the very upper crust of that of that value right now. Yeah, I think I mean I think it depends on your motive for trading, right? If you're if you're just if you think this is the beginning of the end and and CD has just been a fake alpha the whole time, then you're just trying to get off of him and and yeah, you you would take DK and anything else you could get on top. Uh if your thought process is Lamb just lost Dak Prescott, I need a guy I can count on if I can move to um you know, to one of the other names I said, Pittman, or even trading for one of those veterans, Adams or, or Diggs or, uh, or or Tyreek. You're looking for production right now, and DK's probably not a guy you're targeting in that situation. That's fair. I, you know, I don't think my panic meter is quite as high on CD Lamb. It's fair. I understand the point. Um, I think we've seen enough from CD in the past. But 2022 is looking gross. I mean, there's no doubt. It's looking gross. Okay. How about Damian Pierce? This was a guy that I saw, I swear, hand to God, I saw <laughs> this guy going before Brees Hall in rookie drafts. I was shocked. I mean, he was going before Brees Hall in rookie drafts. Now, having the earlier conversation with you, I would assume maybe you and I are slightly aligned in this mentality, but later round running backs with the profile that he has, which again, was good in many rights, but very reduced in terms of you know, full-on raw counting stats goes to a team with generally a bad offense, even though they got the, you know, they're tied in week one, generally a bad offense. Are you panicking after what we saw happen to him in week one with all the hype that he had going into it? No, I'm not panicking yet. He's, he's in the, uh, he's in the hold and wait category for Let's see me. See if this works. Um, wait, wait. <laughs> Nailed it. Got it. Oh, there we go. Save Very it. good. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw the hype just got so crazy. As you said, going before Brees Hall in, in those late rookie drafts, uh, going in the, the third and fourth round of of um, redraft leagues, it, it was just out of control. So week one was obviously a disappointment for many that were, that were counting on Damian Pierce. I mean, we're not, let's just be real here. Rex Burkhead is not starting 17 games in the year 2022. It's, it's just not going to happen. So Damian Pierce is going to get his chances. Uh, he's going to regain a, a lot of that value that he lost over the past several days. Uh, now that said, he's still going to be a trade candidate, right? Uh, I mean, I, I thought when, when he was playing well in that preseason game in, in week two or three, whenever that was. And when, when all of Twitter was focused on Damian Pierce, it, it just felt so obvious that he was the next Elijah Mitchell. He was going to have a good season. He was going to gain uh, way more value than, than he probably should. And we were going to be able to trade him. Um, I was going to say we would be able to trade him for first rounders. He's already been traded for a ton of 23 first rounders. And if you're one of those people, you're feeling great right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you got if you got a 2023 first for him, good good for you. I I don't have I don't even think I have a no. sound effect on here that I can even play for that. It's it's great though. But 
Yeah, I think I think I totally agree with you. There's no way Rex Burkhead keeps up this pace. I think it was a bit of a shock um, to see Burkhead, you know, outplay him in this particular right. game. I think what Burkhead had eight targets, had more carries. Like this is a this is a shocking outing. Um, we always, you know, Evan Silva was always a fan. I remember him being one of the biggest touts of Rex Burkhead and that potential. I mean, clearly Burkhead's a talented back in many rights, but at 32 years old with the profile that Damian Pierce had and what we had seen in the preseason, I think good things are yet to come. But as I've seen in the chat here, uh, it can always be a dangerous move to put too much stock into some of these late round running backs like this, especially in dynasty. If you can get them in a burst and use them and they play well, feel free to ride it out. But we know that there is usually an abrupt end to their career more times than not. With that being said, one of the last guys on this list that I wanted to bring up with you is Christian Watson because we watched him with Aaron Rodgers. We saw a ball go through his hands. We know that that is like a death sentence to most of these guys. What's your panic level with Christian Watson? Were you very high on him after the NFL draft anyways? No, no, I wasn't high on him. Uh, I did end up with him uh, on on a couple teams where I had those late first rounders or early second rounders. I was able to move him, uh, you know, ironically, I guess, for Devontae Smith. So now I'm, now I'm stuck with that guy. But, um, I mean, again, I think we had the signs, the, the small school, the concerns about a lack of production, the concerns about the drops. He's already 23 years old. Uh I don't, I don't totally buy into the Aaron Rodgers hates rookie narrative, but uh, it's another small piece of the pie at the very least. And he, he certainly does hate players that can't catch the ball. Um, so, you know, I think you heard a lot even before Christian Watson was drafted that uh, his rookie season would be, um, you know, would kind of be that, that wait and see and, and give him a, a year to warm up. I mean, he's 23 and a half years old already. We can't give him a year to warm up. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm pretty out on him, but I'm I'm probably in the yellow here, just waiting for a good game and 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 flip him if I have him. I mean, it's a good thing I had not taken the meter down because it's exactly apparently where it should have been. Uh, I'm yeah. in the same boat. I think some of the offseason conversation led us to believe that there were other wide receivers in this you know, wide receiver room that we're probably going to get opportunity before him. I think many of us thought that there was better receivers on the board um, that had gone off at the point that the Packers had taken him, maybe even some still on the board that would have been better as well. Um, so... I'm I'm very I'm very down the middle with Christian Watson. I don't have him in any of the rookie drafts because I was pretty much bypassing him for every reason that you said. And after that ball went through his hands, I'm just saying, I know Aaron Rodgers is tough to play for. I mean, the guy already doesn't have any weapons around him. I mean, this is a this is a abysmal offense around him. So you can't be dropping dimes right through the hand on what would be touchdowns. So I think that stung a little bit, and I think like you're saying, uh, he might be more of a year two guy. I'm not ready to write him off completely, but I think the wait and see in the middle is probably the right answer, Ryan. Okay, Ryan, can I ask you uh, just a couple dynasty questions? Can we do a couple trades real quick? I mean, this is this is what you do. This is your wheelhouse. Can we do some? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Let's let's do a couple of these right now. So we get this panic meter off the screen. All right, let's do some deal breakers for the crowd. <laughs> All right, Ryan. I just love it. Every time that comes in, it's just I want to go do some push-ups, but it just would make no sense. Okay, so let's start with the first trade that we've got on the screen right here. This is an interesting one. Uh, Brees Hall 
and Travis Etienne or three 2023 first round rookie picks. Where are you at on this? Yeah, that's the fun one. It's it's essentially five unknowns, right? Not just not just the rookie picks are unknowns, but I think these running backs who at least through one week of the season look like backups on their own team uh, are, are definitely unknowns as well. I mean, I like both players, both Hall and ETN. I've got them ranked, I think, pretty aggressively among running backs over at DLF. But I'm still taking the picks here because the picks could turn into uh, could turn into Jackson Smith and Jigba, hmm. Keishon Butte, um, you know, maybe even Bijan Robinson. Of course, uh, I don't know if this is super flex setting. Uh, I would I would assume, I would assume it it's is super so flex. We, yeah, we we know there's some quarterbacks we like in that 23 class as well. Um, and if I can if I can trade in general, if I can trade running backs I like for wide receivers or quarterbacks I like, I'm going to do that. Man, there's a lot of people in the chat that are saying the picks. I, I'm I'm obviously uh, struggling with this. I thought Travis Etienne was an incredible prospect out of college. I thought that you know Brees Hall was a, a great player as well. And we see one week of production that didn't align with people's expectations. And I think there's some concern. That the problem, too, is I just don't know what's going to come with those picks. And I don't know if they're earlier then we could start to have a conversation. I think if they're a little sure. bit later, that changes things overall. But that trade in and of itself was a really, really interesting trade to me. Uh, let's pull up a second trade here for a second. Okay. DK Metcalf or Elijah Moore and a 2023 first-round pick? This one's an easy one for me. Elijah Moore. I want Elijah Moore straight up over DK Metcalf. One for one, if I get a first on top of it, that's the easiest deal I'm ever making. I love yeah. Elijah Moore. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are on board with Moore. I think there was questions after what we saw with Garrett Wilson about the whole narrative of, is he the alpha in this offense? Uh, we're not seeing the real version of it yet, right? Like until we get Zach Wilson back, Wilson's going to get every opportunity to either, you know, bring this thing to shore or sink this ship out the center of the bay. Yeah. We don't know which one it is yet, but it's, one of the two. Um, so, yeah, I like that side. I think you get that pick in the future. I think we know that this is a great upcoming draft class. It's funny because I feel like the 2023 class maybe lost a little bit of steam with some of the names that you mentioned earlier. I mean, Bootsy, you know, just some of these things have come up and there's been some concerns about how they're performing on the field, the narratives, just stuff right. around them. And we've seen a bit of erosion, but I'm with you on that. I think that that's a great call there. So, all right, let's go to trade number three. This one's interesting. Curious where you are on this one. Jalen Waddell, Wandale Robinson, or George Pickens and a 2023 first-round pick. I can almost assure the crowd of what you're going to guess right here, but go ahead. What What is it? Because I've got an assumption. Yeah, this this is a tough one. I'm I'm going with uh, Jalen Waddell and my UK Wildcat boy, Wandale Robinson here. Um, I, I think I've got Jalen Waddell ranked as my wide receiver four in Dynasty currently. And as a homer, I definitely love Wandale. Um, it's it's tough to say no to a, a 23 first. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the side I'm going with. Uh this is I gotta bring this one back up. I gotta bring this one back up. I'm not I'm not settled on this one. I this is a tough one for me, Ryan. I'm I'm unsettled on this. Uh I'm gonna go with Pickens. I'm gonna go the Pickens side yeah. and the pick. I love I love Jalen Waddle, not totally convinced on on Wandale yet. Um, 
But again, George Pickens looks like a, a beast thus far in the preseason. I think this may be a little less productive year than I think people were hoping for with him. Uh, maybe not right. realizing what that means for you know Chase Claypool, what it means for Deontay Johnson. So he's probably not really going to be the guy or or get great opportunity till next year. But I love him and the picks. All right, Ryan, that was the package. Listen, we've got to the point in the show where you get an opportunity to do what it is that four or five people before you have not. Um, it's been an immense amount of failures to this point, Ryan. Let me run this intro. Oh. And he misses it. That's impossible. Now, I always open this thing wrong, but this time I opened it right. Ryan, here it is. Live and on screen, $500 cash. Nice. If you can answer these three simple questions. I mean, these are very easy. Again, the briefcase, signed headshot. Nobody's received a signed headshot before for me. Uh, I should get on Cameo and start selling them. I need to make some side money. So, all right, Ryan, I am going to prepare everything right now. I mean, are you, again, you're you're an educator. You have a, a history of... Of, of working with, with kids and other adults and, and teaching. I know you've got a brain that's just saturated with information and it concerns me immensely. Uh, don't, don't be worried. I oh, told you the bad memory. Yeah. All right. So we'll I hope this, I hope that this works. Oh, you'll know if you're in the chat, if this works, this light behind me over here will go red. If it doesn't go red, the wheels are falling off the whole thing. So, all right, Ryan, here we go. Let's play third and 20. What is your favorite food? Cheeseburgers. What size of fitted hat do you wear? Oh, eight and three quarters, I think. Holy smokes. How many penalty yards did the Panthers have in Super Bowl 50? Zero. Zero? 102. <laughs> there was a zero in it. I really thought, I really thought you had it. What I what I do love about Cody. Cody's Cody wants to see me lose that money so bad. He, one of these oh, days I'm, I'm going to lose it on this show that it's the third question. You really have an eight and three quarters head. That's like Tony Saragusa. That's a huge head, that, dude. That, big, big melon head. I don't know. I don't even wear a fitted hat. So that that's probably wrong too. I probably got two of the questions wrong. No, that's all right. But it doesn't matter. I just, the goal is to get you to the third question, but you did admit that you enjoy cheeseburgers. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad told me, uh, you know, taught me if you're ever guessing kind of a strange question, just guess zero or one. So, uh, I went with zero. That, oh that would have been a, it definitely would have been a weird answer. That's so, that's so good. Well, Hey, look, you, you stuck to the teachings, the, the principles that were instilled in you. Unfortunately, this time it didn't work out. Maybe in the future, if we link back up, uh, maybe I'll put an answer that's zero. Uh, to give you, and maybe you'll go one that time. We don't know. Now it's 50, 50. We really oh, have no idea nice. how this will play out, man. Well, Ryan, uh, dude, as always, I swear we've podcasted before, but nonetheless, I really appreciate sure you making time coming on here. Um, very knowledgeable. Again, you had some fire takes, big cojones on a couple of them, which I truly do appreciate. Uh, tell the people that are in the chat or the future members that are going to watch or listen to the show where they can find you and where they can hear you. Uh, sure. You can check out all of my work on dynastyleaguefootball.com. Listen to the DLF Dynasty podcast or Locked On Dynasty podcast. Co-host both of those. And find me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody hit the like button before you leave the chat. 
Uh, if you go to me on YouTube, you can join the Discord. We're running a really fun game right now by Blitzing Buzzard. It's a wager game where you can take your XP in the Discord, gamble it versus other members of the Discord, win Dynasty Ranking hoodies and other fun items. So, Ryan, we should get you in there. You should really just come, come gamble away. Gamble your life away uh, with other members of the Discord. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for coming out, and we will see you all next week on uh, I'm Outraged.